Hello, everybody. Joel Junker here with another episode of the Camera Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. Special edition podcast. This is the first time that I can recall that we had one of our couples that made a transition through Cameron Brooks, uh, that they were both military officers. So we have Marquette and Luke Levesque that made the transition back in 2018, uh, both Naval Academy graduates, uh, Navy, submarine, nuclear power officers that made the transition to Boston Scientific. And in this podcast, they share with the listeners, with you all, their experience on why they chose Cameron Brooks and they felt like it was the best fit for them as they were a dual military couple making the transition, how we at Cameron Brooks worked with them closely to get to know them, to match the open positions available so that they could either be in the same company or at least in the same location. And then finally, both have been very successful in in just a couple of short years with Boston Scientific, both been promoted RE, which is very quickly, and they share their insights each individually of what they did uh, to be successful and establish themselves as top performers in their company. I hope you enjoy. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of the Cameron Brooks Podcast. If you want to learn more, you can find us at our website, Cameron-Brooks.com. You can find our book, PCS to Corporate America, on Amazon. And of course, if you have any suggestions or questions, reach out to me at Joel, that's J-O-E-L, at Cameron-Brooks.com. Marquette and Luke, welcome to the podcast. I really appreciate you being on uh, a guest on our, our, our uh, podcast this week, especially in the midst of how crazy this time is with COVID-19. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Joel. It's good to be here. Yeah, thank you. So Marquette, why don't we start with you? I'd like to start off with just give people a little bit of background about who you are, uh, what you did in the Navy and um, did in the military, Navy, obviously, and then say, you know, talk about what you do in your career in corporate America now. Sure. Yeah, so uh, Marquette Levesque, and I uh, went to the Naval Academy for college, so graduated in 2010 with an aerospace engineering degree. Um, Graduating from college kind of had a unique opportunity that Congress had just opened up the opportunity for women to serve on submarines. So I had the chance to be one of the first women um, through that class. So definitely a unique opportunity that shaped a lot of what I did in the Navy, but spent uh, about four years on a a ballistic missile submarine in Kings Bay, Georgia, Uh, did six patrols on her, Um, then spent some time as an instructor up at our Naval Submarine School in Connecticut. And then the last couple of years that I was in the Navy, I had a, a unique opportunity to take over as the Women in Submarines Coordinator and Diversity Officer, where I had a chance to be at a much higher strategic level, um, kind of than I would have had it been as a as a junior officer. So really unique opportunity that shaped a lot of, I think, the, the skill sets that have helped me in corporate America now, um, operating at developing strategy and that kind of thing. Um, also on that tour, I had an opportunity to get uh, a master's in engineering management um, through Old Dominion University as well. So uh, that was a, a good thing to do before I got out of the Navy. So transitioned in 2018, um, went through my career search and ended up picking a, an engineering management job at Boston Scientific, um, where I was, I came in as a 
uh, a manager one is what we call them there and led a team of about 12 to 14 engineers over a specific technology doing new product development um, for a couple different divisions. Um, been there for about a, a year and kind of did some, some different opportunities. And then I actually got to take over an opportunity to build a strategic partnership with one of our divisions in the electrophysiology space. So that was a lot of fun to pick up a bunch of different new uh, projects and lead a team really focused on one clinical space that we hadn't really been involved in before. So that was a, a great opportunity. And then I actually ended up getting promoted last year to a senior manager at the end of the year. So that's what I'm doing now. Got a little bit bigger of a, of a team that I'm leading and still focused kind of on that electrophysiology space. Very good. Let me just verify. So you've been promoted twice already since you made the transition in 2018? No, just once. So came in as okay, a manager one, one and then I got promoted to a senior manager last year. So, yeah. Okay, great. Well, congratulations. We'll have to come back and talk a little bit about what you did in that in that time frame to get promoted so quickly. But be, first, first, let's let Luke, Luke, introduce yourself. Tell us a couple of listeners about you. you, gotta, you by the way, those yeah. are big shoes to follow. <laughs> I, I know. I should have talked first. I set myself up for this. Um, right. Yeah. So, hi, Luke Levesque. Um I was also a 2010 grad from the Naval Academy with a mechanical engineering degree. Uh, you'll find the majority of my markups pretty closely. So, I also was a nuclear submarine officer stationed on a ballistic missile submarine down in Kings Bay, Georgia. I spent two years on one sub and then actually transitioned to a shipyard boat and got her reactivated um, and back through her nuclear weapon loadout um, before I transferred to shore. Then similarly was at the submarine school as, as an advanced instructor uh, and finished off my career with two years as a aide-de-camp or a, a senior personal aide for a two-star admiral, which was a really cool opportunity to understand more of what happens at, at the strategic level and, and really those decisions um, well above my, my pay grade, certainly, as a JO. Uh, while I was on that tour, I also had the opportunity to get my engineering um, management master's through Old Dominion University, um, which, again, set me up as I was transitioning out of the military uh, with a little, little extra education there. So getting out, um, we interviewed at the April conference in 2018. And also <laughs> went with uh, Boston Scientific. So I started as an operations project manager, primarily focused in the new product development space. So my my role was to take new products as they came through the R&D groups and really set them up so we could scale them uh, into a manufacturable uh, device at, at much higher volumes. Did that for about six months and then had an opportunity to lead a significant capacity expansion for a new product we just launched. Did that for about nine months um, and then followed last year, transitioned into more of a strategic role. So serving as our integration and transfer lead for our sites, focused on new business development um, and really kind of setting the strategy for, for where we go with the site. Um, I also have had the opportunity kind of moving from an individual contributor role now into a manager. So I have some direct reports and have had the uh, the opportunity to not only to lead projects, but also to lead people um, in corporate America, which has been great. Well, congratulations to both of you for um, all your success. I knew you guys obviously would be successful, just how good you were in, in the transition when you get out. The question for both of you, um, 
when you established yourself in business, it sounds like both of you had made pretty big jumps already early in your career. Um, either that or you guys just used a lot of big words, uh, but I think you guys <laughs> made some big jumps. Um, ladies first again, Marquette, what, what would you say was or what you did early in your career that people could replicate to establish themselves in business and and set themselves up for that next promotion, if you or worth that step up, if you will, so early on. Yeah, um, I think one of the keys that I, and it was actually advice that I got through <laughs> through Cameron Brooks going through the transition, is stepping into the the company. It was let's try to. I tried to find opportunities that fit the skill sets I was getting out of the Navy. So understanding where my strengths um, that were different than my peers. Um, so coming coming out of the military leadership is kind of the number one thing that obviously we, um, you know, we have that some of our peers don't in corporate America. And I tried to find opportunities that I could leverage a lot of what I learned, uh, kind of marrying the strategic thinking capability, quick decision making, and leadership. And I was, a lot of it was luck, I'll be honest with you, is that there were some movements that happened within our group and I had an opportunity arise to kind of take and run with it. So there's there's always a luck portion to, I think, a lot of these. Um, but I was able to, to leverage that and um, just found a, a unique door that opened for me and took it and ran with it and, you know, worked a lot of hard hours and learned as much as I could to, to make an impact. I think it's it's finding that strength that's unique and be able to make a broad impact on an organization that impacts that bottom line and the business right away, um, which is very, I mean, that's what we did every tour in the, the military. And I think that's what I, I always appreciated about JMOs that even come in now behind us is that that's literally what you had two years to make an impact at a tour. And that's what we're good at. Um, so I tried to utilize that coming into corporate America as well. Um, again, I was fortunate that a couple of doors opened and I definitely had some great support from from my team and from those that uh, my mentors and my supervisors to just kind of help through that career progression as well. Yeah, I think if I had to summarize what you just said, I think what I've heard of all this, right, is that, you know, one basic element is work hard. Two is find ways to use your strengths to make an impact wherever you can and seize the opportunities when the doors open themselves to you. Um, and what I love, I think if I captured all that right, you've said it in such a different way than other people have said it on a podcast about work hard, be humble, ask questions. But I, I think the way you said it just framed it up a little bit differently, especially about using your strengths. How can I use my strengths to make a difference in an organization? Yeah, Luke, what so about I think you? That sums it up well. Oh, sorry, sorry, Marquette. Um, <laughs> go ahead, Luke. Okay, what about you, Luke? Yeah, you know, so I think for me, the the first thing that really stuck out was was being able to come in and, and find a quick win. Um, you know, so I'll, I'll shamelessly plug the, a book I read right before I got out called The First 90 Days, which kind of walks you through, hey, you've got you've got your first 30 days, your first 60 days, and your first 90 days, and here's some things to focus on kind of within that group. Um, and then one thing they recommend is, is find a find a small win that you can attach your name to. Um, and I think for me coming in and being brand new and having no exposure to the industry, having no exposure to the, the job, um, finding something kind of to Marquette's point of where I could leverage a strength and provide a win and show value quickly, I think went a long way in kind of establishing my credibility, 
not only with my peers, but within the broader organization. And the other piece I'll highlight is really growing your personal network. Um, I, again, when you're coming in new, you don't, you don't know anyone, you don't know anything. A lot of ways that I was able to find success um, or even to be successful within my roles was to have a personal network of people I could lean on or reach out to when I had questions or I didn't know where to go next. And I, I think that sure. was really critical at the beginning. How did you go about establishing that personal network um, early on, Luke? Yeah, you know, so for me, it kind of started with, you know, getting my foot in the door, just understanding, you know, who who did I interact with on a daily basis? But from there, it was figuring out who are who are going to be my peers and then kind of the level above, who are the folks that are going to influence that workload? And then finally, who are my stakeholders, right? Who are the, the executive or VP level folks that are going to have a direct hand in the success or failure of the projects and initiatives that I was involved in? You know, the, if, if you could, you know, if we go back to your guys' transition, let's start there, you know, your decision to leave the Navy. Um, Either one of you, uh, Luke or Marquette, walk us through, walk the listeners through the decision to leave the Navy and then the decision to partner with Cameron Brooks. Because as I recall, sitting with you guys in Groton, Connecticut, um, there were multiple conversations with either, I think they were with me, before you ultimately made the decision to partner with Cameron Brooks. Just walk through the factors, the reservations that you had, and what ultimately caused you to choose to partner with us? And then later we'll get into what you actually found through the experience. Yeah, Joel, I'll, uh, I'll jump on that one to start at least. Um, I think to tackle the first question, which was, you know, what, what made us decide to, to leave the service? And ultimately, you know, we were at the point in our lives where we were looking to start a family, man. We were looking for a little bit of stability um, and especially, and I think maybe uniquely for dual military couples, one of us wasn't ready to get out and kind of play the role of the, the spouse or the homemaker while the other one kept going. So it was going to be an opportunity where either we were we were both staying in and we were going to try and find a way to make it work as parents, or we were both going to separate and we were going to find other ways to be successful and really fulfill that professional need while setting ourselves up um, to do the personal side. So that was that was our big driver. We were at the point in our careers where we were going to make a decision either to sign a contract and go back to sea um, or, or to separate and pursue, you know, a career in corporate America. So weighing those those pros and cons, uh, that the separation was ultimately, you know, the answer that we uh, settled on. Um, and, you know, every day that was that was the right choice for us. We've got, got two kids um, and we're, we're quite happy with where we've ended up, you know. And so then I guess kind of pivot into your question of why Cameron Brooks. In, I think, again, as a dual military couple, there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of unknown of, hey, we're, we're both going to separate. How are we both going to find jobs that are going to fulfill us and give us a chance to be successful at the level that we've been performing? Um, and how do we work with whether a company or a group of people uh, to help us get there? And we, you know, shopped around, look at some of the other opportunities. And ultimately, we kept coming back to, you know, again, as you said, Joel, working with you uh, directly in the conversations on the, the service and really just the opportunities that Cameron Brooks provided. And ultimately, it was that leap of faith of, you know, hey, we're, we're going to trust the process, right? And 
we you were able to put us in touch with another transition couple that it worked really well for them and they were happy and, and that was a great um i guess that really set us up to understand hey you know it worked it works for them we'll, we'll give it a try and we we couldn't be happier what do you think the advantages are of partnering with Cameron Brooks specifically as a couple? You know, so if there's people out there that are um, making a transition with a spouse or significant other and they're military as well and they're looking at partnering with Cameron Brooks, what are the unique advantages that you found in your communication prior, during, and after you know, the follow-up process, if you will, of working with somebody like Cameron Brooks? Yeah, I think I think the number one thing, and this probably goes to being couples or not, but Cameron Brooks did an amazing job at understanding us individually and who we were and what our strengths were. And um, as a couple specifically, why that worked so well is that, I mean, Cameron Brooks has worked with couples before, and they did a great job of setting up our interview schedule to have overlap in location, um, to make sure that we were prepared uh, of what kind of opportunities we would have at those different locations. And then I love the strategy that Cameron Brooks took where we were individuals at the conference and then at the follow-up opportunities, uh, we actually started discussing like, you know, this city is a good overlap, here's a couple options. And it just, it was very personalized to when do we need to be individuals and when can we look at this as a couple? But there was a always this, um, you know, we're gonna look at this holistically to help the family do what they need to do. Um, and I just really appreciated that. None of the other companies or um, firms that we looked at were even willing to look at placing us together. It was a, well, if there happened to be two opportunities in one location, then that's a win, but we can't guarantee that. And, um, you know, Joel, I think you and I and Luke had so many conversations sitting together of, um, you know, I also appreciated the honesty and transparency of location has to be open um, for us to be able to have the best option to find opportunities. And, and that was a key thing for us, I think, as a couple is making sure we had, I think Luke and I basically went in and said, we'll go anywhere. <laughs> and that was probably one end of the spectrum, but we wouldn't have found this opportunity in Minnesota had we not gone into the conference with that option. And I think we both found fantastic jobs um, because we were able to do that. So uh, again, to kind of sum it up, I think it's just the partnership, understanding who we were individually and just the commitment to getting us both placed in and um, and the support to get that in the same location was was fantastic. Since you bring up Minnesota, and it probably wasn't number one on your list, and I'm from Minnesota. What will we'll give the listeners maybe something unique on a question? What have you find the most surprisingly positive thing about moving to Minnesota? Luke, we'll let you go first. <laughs> yeah, you know it's it's funny, Joel. I remember we were listening to the podcast you know, probably back in like 2017. And there was a an individual who'd been placed in the Twin Cities. Um, and I, I went inside afterwards, looked at Marquette, and was like, "Do you ever thought about like Minneapolis, like Minnesota?" And we both looked at each other, like, "Well, maybe it wouldn't be too bad. We could always move." Um, you know, but it, you know, all, all joking aside, we've actually really enjoyed our time here. Um, we're both outdoor people. I grew up in Alaska. Marquette's from Colorado, so like we love being outside. We love having opportunities to get out and hike and, and fish and do those things. Um, I'd say we've gone full Minnesotan. We uh, we bought a tow behind camper last year and have, have enjoyed spending the, the summers uh, driving around the state and, and just getting a chance to get away from the house, get away from the madness and really unplug and focus on the family. 
you're the second person that brought up that podcast this week. So funny. So the guy was named John <laughs> Officer, but you are you're the second one that brought it up this week. That's great. Um, what a, what about you, Marquette? Uh, anything different that you found surprising that you like about the Minneapolis-St. Paul or the greater Minnesota area? Yeah, um, I can actually survive the winters here. No. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I love the opportunity to get outside. And, and the Twin Cities is a very approachable city. Maybe that's the way to say it, where I love that, you know, we live in the suburbs 20 minutes out of the city, and you wouldn't know any different from um, you wouldn't know we live next to a giant city, but in the same way, we can drive 20 minutes and enjoy the city life, too. So I love that about living up here is you kind of get the best of both worlds. Um, yeah, and Minnesota nice is actually a thing. People are incredibly nice here. <laughs> so that was very different than living on the East Coast. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys saw the Super Bowl, but in the Super Bowl, they had uh, that Winona Ryder commercial. Um, yeah. Oh, that had Minnesota. That that's my Winona is my hometown. Even though they didn't film it in Winona, and they made it about Winona. Um, that's where I'm originally from. But they didn't actually okay. film much of the filming of it. Didn't actually take place physically. And I think some of it did with her walking downtown. But the sign that she was laying in front of, there's no such sign that pretty outside of <laughs> Winona, Minnesota. Um, <laughs> um, well, this is my first. Uh, uh, podcast post the COVID-19, uh, much of the, the country sheltering in place and businesses adapting. Um, and I'm curious, and I'm sure listeners are curious too, um, how have you guys adapted to kill kids at home, jobs, you guys are working from home. Maybe one of you guys can take it and tell us like, what's life like been the last month in this COVID-19 uh, social distancing atmosphere? Yeah, it's been very different. Um, so I came back from maternity leave basically about three weeks ago. So I came back wow. to this <laughs> after our <laughs> second kiddo. So that's been a very interesting transition um, coming back after basically three and a half months off of work to meeting my team virtually. But I've actually been really impressed at how things have adjusted as quickly as they have. So, you know, Luke and it, Luke's working in the basement. I'm working upstairs. Um, we got our dogs and children are now a commonplace on video conferences at all levels. Um, so that's always interesting to see. <laughs> um, but it's been an interesting leadership challenge, too, of how do you still get the work done that you need to and make progress on different projects and things, as well as keeping people social distanced and keep people safe and healthy. So, um, you know, we've had a lot of conversations about I think this might actually change the way we work forever. Um, just in general, in industry, I think we're learning different tools and skill sets that we can do virtually and different opportunities and ways to connect that may actually make us more agile as a workforce. So I think I think there's some some silver linings that we're trying to come out of this, but it's definitely been very different staying and working in the house. And we're always joking that as submariners, we, we were trained for this, to work and sleep and never leave our house. Like, this was the best <laughs> training we ever could have had for this. So you know, <laughs> but it's been a different for sure. But certainly no social distancing on a submarine. I think they kind of pack you guys inside of those things. So um, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> it, and um, I agree that uh, I do think that there's going to be, and there's things written about this, so we're not the first ones to say it, that there's going to be lasting positive effects on quality of life. I was, um, speaking with um, an executive 
at Ameriprise, not a client of ours, just happens to be a, a good a good friend. Um, and he was saying that I think that our travel is going to significantly decrease. Obviously now, but like the future, because they've figured out some of these things that they used to travel for and things that they would do for these group meetings. Like, well, we don't really need to do this in person. We now have a model how to do this video why so you can see i think there's going to be decreased business travel even when business travel comes back just because the ability of now how we can work on zoom and collaborate and things like that um even even we were marquette mook i know we didn't get a chance to talk about this you're probably aware of this but we did our april career conference all virtual um from our offices here we had a stage basically set up in the our big conference room. We had a big TV where all the candidates were on their cameras and things. We had that was our main presentation room, and we still used our whiteboard. And then we had a smaller Zoom room that people would go in. We that we do presentations, and then as you guys know about you know where we would coach people on that mezzanine level at the Chicago Hotel and things like that. So Rob, Pete, and I also had our own Zoom rooms that people could pop in and out of before and after and during or during the days just to get coaching and so we replicated every uh, aspect of the career there wasn't one aspect of the career conference that we didn't replicate um that we were able to do that way and so right now um we've had i think we've got 23 candidates have already accepted without ever physically meeting the the, the uh the company or the recruiters um so yeah, I don't think we'll ever, this is not an intention that we'll ever do um, in the future, other than we'll have to do it again in June, but it, uh, because of the, there's travel restrictions in the military. But um, I think it just underscores that you can figure out ways to adapt. And I was just really impressed with companies' ability to adapt, candidates' ability to adapt, and our team's ability to adapt as well. And I do think that things will forever change on how we conduct some of our business and travel, especially. Yeah, fully agreed. Um, well, as you guys think back to your transition, um, what what would what would you say you would wish you knew then that you know now? Oh, um, I think if I could go totally back. put you on the spot, I put you just yeah, really put you on no, the spot. It's an, it's an interesting mental exercise here. Um, you know, I think if I could go back to maybe pre-conference, right, maybe that week or two before, um, you know, I, I would I would tell myself, hey, trust the process, right? I think Cameron Brooks has done a phenomenal job of creating a process that works, right? And you guys have the the track record to show um, that it's effective. And I think it's easy, you know, even for Marquette and I as a transitioning couple, to sit there and kind of scratch our heads and go, well, is it going to work for us? Um, and, and now on the, on the flip side, almost two years later, it, it feels great to be able to say conclusively, yes, yes, trust the process, it will work, right? They've had the success and they will continue to have the success. Um, you know, and then as I think of maybe that first month uh, in the job, out of the military, is, is the new guy with no idea what I'm doing. Um, you know, to echo Marquette's previous statements, it's, it's know your strengths, but be humble and be open and just ask those questions. Because that's the only way you're going to be able to learn is to just kind of jump in feet first and figure out how to swim. 
Very good. I love it. Marquette, anything else to offer? I mean, echoing what, what Luke said, I think definitely, I think the other aspect is, is um, I think a lot of times in, in the military, we tend to look at the 20 year plan because that's what's laid out in front of us. And um, you know, I tell a lot of the, the Cameron Brooks candidates that I chat with now, of don't put too much pressure on yourself. And I think, I think Chuck always says this too, of you're not marrying your first job. It's just like a first date. And um, I wish I would have put less pressure on myself going through it because ultimately I landed at a fantastic company that I really like and the process worked. And I mean, I just, I was so worried I wouldn't be able to make a decision. And yet I just knew when I visited Boston Scientific, that's, that's where I wanted to work. Um, and so I, I think it's enjoy the process a little bit more too, because this is you for the first time get to make a decision on what you're doing with your career and your life. And that's, that's kind of a freeing experience as well. Um, and I wish I would have enjoyed that a little bit more going through the follow-up process. Yeah, it's interesting you're going to give that advice. I'm one of my men, uh, somebody that worked here uh, no longer does. Um, but when I was going through the process, um, in the middle of my conference, he kind of pulled me aside and he said, listen, you got to really just enjoy this for a little bit. I think maybe I was coming across, and I have a tendency to come across pretty serious. But he pulled me, you know, he said, really enjoy this. And don't just like focus on just, you know, getting the job and everything. I know it's important, but take some time to enjoy this and exploring the opportunities. So I did. You know, I think you can do both. Get out there and really fight for that yes and get that offer, but enjoy the learning and finding that right that right fit. Um, you guys have been been great. I got one last question. Either of you guys can take it. I know a lot of couples have come to you, or we've sent a lot of, of people that were thinking about the transition as couples to learn about what Cameron Brooks does. Is there anything here that you have not shared? you typically share with them that you'd like to pass on in the in the podcast because as i said i imagine this might be a podcast that we end up sending out to um, couples that are thinking about the transition and partnering with us yeah i think i'd share one thing i, I usually share with the couples that that we talk with is you've got to be honest with yourself going going through this, but you also have to be honest with each other and um it was it was kind of interesting. It was just this week that I was on my computer and found a, a spreadsheet like true nuclear officers that Luke and I made with ranking and weightings of our different companies that we were looking at. But uh, one thing that stood out that I'd forgotten we'd done, it, it, we called it the happy spouse factor. And I think that's important going through is that we talked about, you know, we may each find our number one opportunity, but if that number one opportunity for us individually doesn't make the other one happy, then that's okay. And we had to be just really honest with each other going through this that what are our priorities as we're looking at this transition and then um focusing on that as we're going through the follow-up process and i um you know i think we're fortunate that we both found great jobs that we probably would have picked on our own but that was really important i think to have that headspace going in um to the transition so i think it's it's a little bit unique being couples going through um but I mean, ultimately, it's about finding what's right for the family and not just each of us individually. Very good. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Marquette, Luke. You've been a terrific guest. I appreciate you guys being on here and taking taking time to do this. Maybe I maybe I provided a bit of a break for you guys to do something different than work at home and take care of children and dogs all day. It sounds like you guys got your hands full. It's true. We're actually in the same room on a phone call versus on a phone call two floors apart with each other. So, you know, that's important. <laughs> that's great. Well, thank you again so much for being on here. 
uh, for being such great supporters of Cameron Brooks and uh, junior officers making the transition. And again, if there's anything that we can do for you guys in the future, uh, please let us know. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Joel.